Hey guys, it's me. Not that you were expecting anyone else. Anyways, Gaming After College has a sponsor. I know, right? We're getting with the times. It's pretty exciting. Anyways, our sponsor of today's episode is Anchor. Anchor is a brand new service that lets you make podcasts, and they make it very easy to do so. All you need to do to make a podcast is right there on their app and right there on their website. On top of that, they handle automatic distribution of your podcast to various different platforms. So you don't have to do anything with RSS feeds. And then they look for sponsorships for your podcast with absolutely no minimum amount of listenership, which is great for me because I think I only have five of you guys out there listening to my beautiful voice and uh, keep going. Thanks, guys. The best part about Anchor, it's absolutely 100% free. So what are you waiting for? Go and try it out. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, guys, let's get back to the episode. Hello and welcome to Gaming After College, the only podcast that helps you manage your gaming time and your busy life. This is your host, Manny, speaking. This week, we will be discussing Final Fantasy, everything you all wanted to know, but were too afraid to ask. We're going to be discussing some key games, development history of Final Fantasy, future games, and uh, current games. And also, I'm going to select a couple of ones, a couple of the games that I thoroughly enjoyed in my lifetime. Let's get started. Alright, so for news this week, so I don't know if anyone has heard, but Sony is finally allowing cross-platform play uh, on their console. So Sony has been insanely, what's the word, I don't want to say anything bad, selfish, I guess, on cross-platform play. Now, so so for any of you who do not know what cross-platform play is, it's essentially I log into Counter-Strike and I'm on my PC and I want to play with someone who's playing on the Xbox. That's cross-play. It's a cross-playing between two different systems. Uh, Sony has been notoriously famous or infamous regarding their stance on cross-play. It'll never happen. You want to play with your PlayStation friends? Buy a PlayStation. Tough luck. However, over the past summer, the Switch saw a pretty great game come out on it called Fortnite. And what happened was... On Fortnite, you have an Epic Games account with the company Epic Games, and that tracks your um, essentially your your progression, all your all your uh, stats and all your skins and everything everything you've invested all your time into. The accumulation is in your Epic Games account. However, during that time, if you had ever signed into a PlayStation on your Epic Games account and you connect the two. That essentially meant that Sony will halt you connecting your Epic Games account to the Switch. And this pissed off a lot of people. Now, this isn't cross-platform. However, it was, it was, uh, it's, it, it's a worse offense than that. So at the time, Twitter was, was in an outrage. Uh, hashtag, uh, blame Sony came out. And I, I also tweeted a, a couple about that on my personal Twitter page. Uh, and essentially, I just stopped pay- paying money for for Sony products. Um, well, let me let me change that. Actually, I did buy the PlayStation for Spider Man. However, when it came to spending money on my uh, Fortnite binge and my Fortnite addiction, I loaded up a, a Fortnite on my Mac, even though it's super slow and cannot handle it. And I spent some money. I got what I wanted to get, and then I went back to playing on the PlayStation. I was not going to get Sony my money. 
So I saw this idea pop up on Twitter. I saw it pop up on Reddit. And I guess a lot of people ended up doing it that Sony finally has caved. So as of this week, you can connect your Epic Games account to your Switch and can, and also cross-platform play between a Switch, a PC, mobile, Xbox. And the Switch is just to be, uh, I'm sorry, the Fortnite game is just the beginning of this. Uh, Sony has said that they're going to allow cross-play on select titles. So not sure exactly what that means. But the fact that they're budging just a little bit is great news. And in the last two weeks, I don't know if anyone has heard, Pokemon has turned 20. And Polygon has a great set of articles on their on their page that anyone who's interested in Pokemon and also the the phenomena of it, the fact that it's been around for 20 years and still going strong. If you're interested, they have a pretty great article about that. And uh, as always, everything I say in the news section, I will put in the show notes. So and let's not forget that Pokemon is actually seeing a new game coming out in just a few weeks and uh, well, in a few months, which is Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee. And since I already brought this up, I have yet another Fortnite update. In the last two weeks, we've seen the release of Fortnite Season 6, which is uh, which added brand new changes to the map, made it pretty crazier. There's now a big ass castle. But probably everyone's favorite update to this Season 6 is you now have pets in the game. Now, th- this doesn't mean that you're going to have like a like a buddy with you in battle who's actually going to help you out and kill people. Um, essentially, it's it's back back bling, which is just a backpack. And the, the, more, the more common one you'll see in the beginning is dog. And essentially, you're wearing a backpack that has like almost like a looks like a basket. And you do have a, a tiny little dog in the back with you. Uh, why you would bring a, uh, a pet into a, a battle, I have no idea, but they look insanely cute. They growl when there's an enemy nearby. It's it's fantastic. However, you are left with the uh, you're left with the the moral dilemma after you knock a person down. And when you're about to kill them, the dog is just on their back staring at you. But hey, you know, close your eyes, hit the R2 button, move along. Anyways, so the next thing I have to in the news section is in this week, this month, I'm sorry, for PlayStation Plus in October you will be able to download Friday the 13th, the video game, as part of your PlayStation Plus experience. Uh, granted, PlayStation Plus is not um, is not free. Uh, these games are only available to you contingent on you keep paying for PlayStation Plus. When you stop, Once you stop paying for PlayStation Plus, you will lose the games you get for free, quote-unquote free. However, I end up paying for it. I play online a lot. I like these new games. And I've never played the Friday the 13th game, and I'm a horror person, so... Hell yes, I will totally uh, download that game, play it for a little bit, maybe do a quick review, uh, even though I'm a little opposed to that, but we'll find out. And lastly, in the news section, in the last two weeks, Sony has made a surprise announcement of the PlayStation Classic. So for those of you who have remembered in the last few years, Nintendo has released the NES Classic and the Super NES Classic, which are just mini versions of their beloved consoles which have about 20 games each in them. So I did actually purchase both the NES Classic and the SNES Classic. Uh, And I did use them for a few months, and then I kind of just stopped. Uh, However, they do bring up some great nostalgia memories back to me. I never owned SNES, so I really wanted to buy the SNES Classic. I always used to play SNES at a friend's house. Uh, So now the PlayStation, now Sony, wants to get on that bandwagon. So they haven't released a full list of games for the PlayStation Classic. I do have a few games I can talk about that they are going to have. And those games are Jumping Flash, R4 Ridge Racer, Type 4, Tekken 3, which is always a great game, 
Wild Arms, which was fantastic. And possibly the biggest one so far, remember they only released five titles as of right now, is Final Fantasy VII. So those are the first five games you're going to have. The PlayStation Classic is rumored to have 20 games in total. No idea when Sony's going to release the full list. Um, I'm still debating if I want to buy this because I'm only going to use it for maybe a month or so. And I don't know. So obviously the PlayStation Classic looks like the old original PS1. It just insanely smaller and just a little bit more cuter. Uh, it will come with two controllers. So if there is going to be some sort of, you know, um, multiplayer games like Tekken 3, maybe there's going to be a uh, possibly... I'm forgetting all the multiplayer games that they had on the uh, PlayStation 1. However, they will have it here. I'm really hoping Spyro's in there. If Spyro's in there and Crash Bandicoot's in there, I may get it. We'll find out. Uh, you can pre-order this at Amazon, Walmart, Target, GameStop. Uh, they're going to be about $100 a piece. Um, as of right now, when I checked, Walmart and Amazon are out of stock. Uh, I believe Best Buy still had it, and so did Target. So, as always, I will put a link to the Polygon article talking about the pre-order in, uh, in the show notes. And again, this is the second time I mentioned Polygon. I am not paid by Polygon. Um, I kind of wish I was, but I'm not paid by Polygon. Uh, I'm just a very opinionated podcast, and Polygon is probably one of my favorite websites to go for gaming news. All right, so let's move on to the main event of this episode, Final Fantasy. Gotta relax. This is Earth Radio. Now, here's human music. Oh, human music. I like it. All right, so I had this idea for an episode a while ago, not for Final Fantasy, but for Kingdom Hearts, simply because there's lots of Kingdom Hearts games. The storyline is actually tied together in some crazy convoluted fashion. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to make this podcast, I'm going to talk about games, but also I'm going to do an episode about what if I wanted to get into Kingdom Hearts and I just don't know how. Now, I'm still, I just don't know where to start pretty much. I'm still going to do this episode later on, uh, probably closer to the release of Kingdom Hearts 3, which I am counting down the days for. However, there are a lot of other series you can do this for. You can do this for Final Fantasy, and that's the one you're listening to now and Metal Gear Solid, for example, which I am a huge fan of, and I might actually end up doing this, doing that one in the future as well. So, all the questions you had about Final Fantasy, but you were too afraid to ask. Thanks for calling then. Let's get started. So what kind of games are Final Fantasy games? So if you do not know what a Final Fantasy game is, you probably heard the term. Final Fantasy has shaped the landscapes of gaming for the last 20 plus years, and it is, and it is still going strong. So, if you do not know what kind of game Final Fantasy is, it is essentially an RPG, a role-playing game, where you take on the roles of characters, you level them up, you fight beasts and dragons and all these kind of crazy things, and it's usually a uh, turn-based combat system. So instead of roaming around and just attacking things, you roam around, attack things, or get attacked, and you have a battle in a separate, like a like a stage, and you take turns attacking. That is. In a nutshell, what a Final Fantasy game is. Uh, however, that's not enough. That's not enough to uh, to warrant a discussion or a description of Final Fantasy. So, Final Fantasy games are essentially fantasy games, and I'll get more into the chronology of the games in a second. Um, but essentially, if you're into role-playing games where you take on a story and you're in a brand new world, brand new characters, 
and it's just something you're not used to and you you fight by leveling up and you know uh, maxing out stats of your of your characters this is probably a game for you and if you play persona 5 or if you played um, Dragon Quest, you're looking around the same thing. Uh, Kingdom Hearts is a type of RPG. Uh, they're called action RPGs and this is mainly because you're running around in a freeform style and you're attacking people and the, the battle happens action-packed wise. Um, there still is not, not really a turn-based combat system but however you are limited in some of the actions you can take. There's different combat menus. And this is all prevalent in a Final Fantasy game. However, the only difference is Final Fantasy games have a turn-based system or something like that. Uh, Square Enix has changed the game and how these games have rolled out since they started. And that is a perfect segue, completely unintentional, on the history of Final Fantasy games. So let's travel back in time to the beloved year of 1987, Japan. The company Square is going through a tough time. They're making a lot of games. They're making some games that just aren't selling. And what what are they to do? They are edging closer and closer to bankruptcy. The games they keep putting out aren't, aren't selling on the NES or the, the Famicom. And with each new release of the games, Square Next inches, I'm sorry, Square inches closer and closer to bankruptcy. So in their last few moments, in the last few, in the last year essentially of the company, they created a final game. And uh, spearheading this project was Hironobu Sakaguchi. And I really hope I didn't mess that one up. Uh, he was a young developer and he has been prevalent in a lot of the Final Fantasy games have ever come out. But essentially, they decided to make a game that rivaled games like Wizardry, where you know there's a, uh, a fantasy-like setting to it. And they put all their development money into this game. They put every ounce, blood, sweat, tears into this game. And it was named Final Fantasy, mainly because they had a fantasy of making money on these games. They had a fantasy of continuing to make games. But if this game didn't do well, that was it. The company was going to be gone. And it was aptly named, in my opinion, because Final Fantasy was released on December 18th, 1987. And it went off the shelves like candy. So with the newfound success of Final Fantasy, where were they to go now? And obviously Square, or Square Enix now, has, it has been and will always be very protective of this series. Without this series, they wouldn't exist. And before I continue, I will say that a great reading material that I'm using for this uh, for this podcast, because I realized that the only thing I knew about Final Fantasy was that last story I told you, the story of how it was named, what it was named and the history of the first Final Fantasy game. However, there is great reading material. Before I go on, I do want to plug this in. Um, if you go to 16bitdad.com, he has a great article on the history of Final Fantasy. So I went, went ahead and I gave that a quick read. And I learned a lot. Um, I've been an avid Final Fantasy player since I was 10, and a lot of it I did know, and a lot of it I didn't know. So it's a great article. It's going to be in the show notes below. So moving on. Essentially, one of the things that Square did that was very unconventional at the time was that, you know, a lot of people made a RPG game. Let's uh, let's make one up right now. Uh, they made Warriors. And Warriors was great. Warriors had this guy named Max in it. And, and you know, we made a lot of money on Warriors. So, obviously, let's make a Warriors too. Uh, Max's Revenge, okay? And 
the thing the, the thing I did just I just did there is by saying it was Warriors 2 Max's Revenge, I am now saying that it is in the same world, it is with the same characters, presumably the same playstyle, and a lot of the same things. Square doesn't do that. Um, Final Fantasy games historically are not sequential, they're not chronological. Final Fantasy 1 has not much to do with Final Fantasy 2. And they also don't have much to do with Final Fantasy 3, 4, 5, all the way until 15. There are certain things that carry over, uh, certain things that sort of carry over, uh, that get changed with every release, and those are the enemies, or the fiends, or whatever you want to call them. Uh, one of their staples is uh, the Moogles as well, that, that sometimes gets carried over. But there's always a new setting, always new characters, and Square has been very experimental throughout their years. There's usually a lot of changes to the game style, to the gameplay, and the, the battle system. And I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, uh, in a little bit more detail in a bit. So that's that's one of your bigger questions. How do I get into Final Fantasy when 15 just came out? Do I need to go back to number one? You don't. A lot of people think you do. Uh, my girlfriend thinks that, thought that at first, but you really don't. All you have to do is just pick it up. As long as you're not getting a sequential number one. So for example, Final Fantasy X came out and then X-2 came out. So X-2 was not 12. X-2 was their first sequel to a Final Fantasy game. They just didn't know what to name it. So X-2. Uh, Final Fantasy 13 had a couple sequels as well. Uh, and they're aptly named. Um, so it's very easy to identify what it is a sequel to. But for the most part, Final Fantasy games share enemies, maybe some common story elements, but that's it. So I'm not going to get too much into the history. This isn't a history of Final Fantasy. Um, although, I, I mean, I could I could have done that. But I would really much rather get into um, some of my favorite games in Final Fantasy. And also what games you might be interested in picking up. How long it is to beat these games. Which is one of the core values of this podcast. How long to beat. And I also want to talk about some key uh, differences in the games that I've played of Final Fantasy. Uh, like I said, there's a great article on 16bitdad.com if you want to look that up. Again, I am, I am not the 16-bit dad, and uh, there's no affiliation between these two. I just thought it was a really great article, and uh, everyone should check it out. I'm going to give just a little bit more news, uh, a little bit more history. Probably the biggest game that Final Fantasy came out with back in the 90s and uh, probably one of the most experimental games was Final Fantasy VII. So Final Fantasy VII, if you have not heard of it, it, it it's, it's a big thing. And it is one of the best games of Final Fantasy that the Final Fantasy series has ever came out with. Uh, it was the first game, Final Fantasy game, to be on the PlayStation. Uh, essentially, Square had some sort of partnership with Nintendo for most for the most part, for the most part, throughout their um, development and um, a lot of people were a little outraged when they moved over to PlayStation and the main reason they did was not because PlayStation offered them more money or anything it's mainly because Nintendo was hell-bent on staying on a cartridge system for for the Nintendo 64 and the PlayStation came out with the CD which carried a lot more data on it which means a better game better graphics more in-depth storyline etc which is one which is the core element of Final Fantasy games is the the world, the storyline, the fantasy aspect of it. So they moved over to the PlayStation. And the first game to come out was Final Fantasy VII. And if I recall correctly, and people can judge, uh, people can correct me, um, they can at me at Twitter if they like, it was uh, that game that had three discs 
on the PlayStation, which was insane. Uh, I believe it was one of the first games to have more than one disc uh, on the PlayStation. And uh, it was a pretty beefy game. It was pretty long. Um, and I'm actually going to talk a little bit more about Final Fantasy VII because it is one of my favorite Final Fantasy games. And it's actually one of the ones I completed. I have by no means have played every single Final Fantasy game. That is not, I'm not about that life. Um, but I have played seven. So seven was the first one to incorporate 3D graphics. And it was the first time showing that off um, in PlayStation. PlayStation obviously was pioneering the 3D graphic aspect of of gaming. Um, however, Final Fantasy VII actually had cutscenes rendered in almost like back then it would have been considered HD essentially. And just to give you some numbers, Final Fantasy VII sold two million copies on, on in Japan when it was first released within the first three days. Once it was released to the West or the States, that number climbed up to 10 million. And that just showed that, um, showed a couple things. Uh, one, Americans can actually play uh, RPGs, and then that is aptly named by the 16-bit dad. And Final Fantasy VII is an amazing game, and that I will speak to despite what, how many numbers they, they sold. So Final Fantasy VII, what is it about? So Final Fantasy VII has a lot of depth to it. And a lot of people from the get-go, they'll see the cover with Cloud on the front staring up at Shinra. Um, and you know, they'll be thinking, well, this is just a kid's game, etc, etc. And you know what, a lot of people have this sort of perception of the Persona games as well. But essentially, essentially Final Fantasy VII, in my mind, is, is about global warming, essentially. There, the, so there is a company called the Shinra Corporation that is sucking the life source or the life stream of the planet to, you know, keep their livelihood, to have the, the way of life they, they want. Uh, the life stream is used to power buildings and power XYZ, and it's slowly sucking the planet dry. And there exists a, a group called the Avalanche Group, which is they're an eco-terrorist group bent on destroying Shinra and stopping the use of life stream. And you play as Cloud Strife. And you meet, you meet a couple of other people along the way, and the storyline has gone very big because there's been multiple entries into the Final Fantasy VII universe, if you will. Um, there's no real name for the world uh, in, other, in other Final Fantasy games, like Final Fantasy X, the entire world is called Spira. Uh, but here, essentially you're on the planet. Um, I believe some people have called it Gaia as well, which is you know the, uh, one of the titans in Greek mythology for Earth, or Mother Nature. But essentially, you follow Cloud on his journey um, from start to completion on defeating the Shinra Corporation, saving the world. It has one of the best bosses ever, which is Sephiroth. If you've ever seen Sephiroth, he looks like tall dude, long white hair, kind of showing some uh, some pecs. And he has like the sword that is possibly 20 feet long, um, samurai sword, uh, Masume, I believe is what it's called. Uh, I don't want to give too much away on on, on this uh, on this game. I'm doing quick reviews here, um, but I will say that the game itself is very in depth. The stories are the storyline and the characters are very fleshed out, and they grow as the game goes on. And it is a spectacle. The fact that this was achieved on the PlayStation One, and a lot of people were enamored by it, is amazing. And if you haven't heard yet, there is a character death in this game, which did induce people to start up 
tearing up and crying when the game first came out. And it probably still does too, because it is... Yeah, I need a moment. Anyways, um, essentially, that's Final Fantasy VII in a nutshell. The gameplay is a little bit different. There is a turn-based mechanic to the gameplay. However, they did add a speed mechanic. Essentially, you you do have some sort of a turn base, a you go, he goes, she goes. But depending on what you do with your turn, your turn can actually take longer to arrive. So the, the turns are time-based and the speed stat that you have actually matters in this because the, the higher your speed is, the more turns you can take in the, in the battle. So Square, the company, has been very experimental on their games and this was one of those experimental things. They're like, what if we did this to make the gameplay more action-oriented or maybe just a more tactical depth of, of the game? A strategic uh, depth of the game. Among all the Final Fantasy games, I'll rate Final Fantasy 7 as essentially my favorite. Uh, and that's mainly because of the storyline. And this movie, this movie, this game actually had a movie come out, Final Fantasy 7 Advent Children, which is a continuation of the storyline, which was pretty decent. And uh, I thought it was really great. If you're not into uh, Final Fantasy, you probably, you probably think the movie's crap, but hey, whatever. And one of the biggest things that fans have wanted from Square, or Square Enix now, is a remake of this game. And, you know, when the PlayStation 3 came out, they, they released a, um, a sort of a, the, the beginning scene of Final Fantasy VII was rendered on the PlayStation 3, and it looks amazing. And a lot of people thought, oh my god, they're remaking it. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Let's scream it from the rooftops. They didn't remake it. It was just saying, hey, look what we can achieve on the PlayStation 3. Which was, I mean, a big old tease. However, at E3 2015, I believe. Yes, at E3 2015, Square Enix announced that they are indeed working on a remake of Final Fantasy VII. And this sent chills down my spine and everyone I know, because that is a huge thing. However, let's check the year. It's 2018. So what's taking them so long? Well, so here we go to probably one of the biggest things. The world of Final Fantasy VII is huge. It is absolutely huge. And there's lots of storylines and characters. And it is a monumental task to make the first game. I can only imagine how big of a task it is to get into the... Um, I can only imagine how big of a task it is to remake the entire thing for next-gen consoles. So how much is known about the remake? Um, not much really. We know that it is going to be a remake of the play of the 1997 Final Fantasy PlayStation game, retelling essentially all of it. We know it's going to have renowned composer Nubo Umatsu, which by the way I forgot to mention this in my history of Final Fantasy. Nubo Umatsu is a god, um, I, and if, you, if you're listening to this, uh, Mr. Umatsu, I, I really, I, I like you, I love you, your music is amazing, and I, I just, I, I want to hear your music once more. And to anyone who does not know who Nubo Umatsu is, he is a composer, he's composed a ton of the Final Fantasy games, and as well as a couple other games, and you're in for a treat. Anyways, going back to Final Fantasy VII Remake, we know that it is being uh, directed by the original character designer, Tatsu Nomura. We know it's going to be on the PlayStation 4. We know it's going to be using the Unreal Engine 4. 
so it's gonna look amazing. But aside from that, I believe Square Next has said that they are actually going to make it episodic, so they're gonna do the things in episodes, um, which sounds great, but I'm very, uh, personally, I, I don't like that, only because it kind of limits the free the freedom of it. What if I'm towards the end game and I want to go back to the beginning, essentially, and I can't? So it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. They have not uh, said anything yet about when they're going to announce it, uh, when it's going to come out. Uh, we just know that it is in development and it will probably be in development for, and I really hope, uh, knocking on wood here, I really hope it, it might be in development for another two to three years, but I will be waiting. And hopefully the podcast is still doing strong and uh, and I will be reviewing it. All right, moving on. So another game I want to talk about in Final Fantasy, if anyone who's interested, uh, is Final Fantasy X and, or Final Fantasy X. Now I'm going to get a lot of crap for this because a lot of people do not like Final Fantasy X. But hey, this is an opinionated podcast and Final Fantasy X was my first Final Fantasy game. Uh, Final Fantasy 7 was not. Uh, I When I owned my PlayStation, I didn't know of its existence. Then I got a PlayStation 2. Thank, thankful to my parents about that. And a friend of mine let me borrow Final Fantasy X. And I fell in love. And then afterwards, a friend's like, oh, you should play Final Fantasy 7. So I played Final Fantasy 7. And I was blown away. Which is kind of odd, because Final Fantasy X on the PlayStation 2 has superior graphics. And yet, for me, I care more about the storyline. But let's talk a little, a little bit about Final Fantasy X. So Final Fantasy X was Square's, Squaresoft's next big thing. Final Fantasy VII was their first 3D rendered game and it was amazing. It blew the lids off of everyone. It was amazing. And they released Final Fantasy VIII and IX after that on the same console, on the PlayStation. Now on the PlayStation 2, they could do something different. The PlayStation 2 had a more robust um, te technical capabilities. So they released Final Fantasy X, which is in full 3D. Cutscenes look absolutely amazing, even to today's standards. And it was the first Final Fantasy game to have voices. Previously, these games were just uh, text-based. You just read what everything happens. And I mean, that, that works, you know, given the technology restraints. But when they include voices, they add more depth to the characters, especially with their tones and just how they are. So I thought that was pretty cool. This game also marked two big changes to the gameplay, to the combat system and development system, which have almost certainly been copied since then. Like I, I have no, I have no, uh, I have nothing stating that is the first time that you've seen this in a video game. But I'm willing to bet it is, and I'm willing to bet that it's because of Squaresoft, it's because of Square Enix that this uh, sort of mechanic has survived among other games. And I'll get to that in a bit. Um, but before I get to that, essentially Final Fantasy has what's called a conditional turn-based battle system, where on the right-hand side of the screen as you're fighting, you can see who's up next in a turn. And depending on what you end up doing, you may skip turns because you have a... Um, Let's say you do your ultimate attack, then that means for the next two turns you cannot make a turn, which means you're open. You're opening yourself to being attacked. Um, so this sort of conditional-based turn system 
was pretty pretty awesome. Uh, and it also allowed for stuff like if your character is poisoned or silenced or etc. Maybe you lose a turn as well. So I would say this sort of thing at the time, I was 10. This sort of thing, 10 or 11, no, I was probably older than that. Essentially, this sort of thing was brand new in the gaming world and it added much more uh, strategic uh, planning and more complexity to the game, which kept kept me on my toes, essentially, and also allowed you to switch out party members in battle, in battle, provided that that slot that they were taking up, you know, that person wasn't wasn't dead, essentially, or fainted. So the other thing I want to talk about is essentially what I was leading up to earlier, and I really should have talked about it then, but whatever. It is the sphere grid. Now the the, the spear, the sphere grid. The sphere grid is the development style of the characters in Final Fantasy X. Essentially, every character has a sphere grid, and they start in the in the center, and they can branch out and learn new abilities. So let's say your character wants five percent health gain faster speed, faster attack, this new brand new magical attack or this new attack that they can do, this new ultimate attack they can do. The only way to get there is to move between these nodes and spend ability points, which you gain for battle. And if you've heard this all before, uh, Spider-Man does this very well. If you heard this all before, it's because this was probably the first time it was ever done. A sphere grid where you decide what type of character you want your character to be. If you want to focus on defending and attacking, you go you go down that route. If you want to focus on magical abilities or magical resistance, you go down that route. It really is all up to you. You can fill out the entire thing if you'd like, but that's going to take you a long time. Oh my god, I actually forgot. We're going to go back to Final Fantasy VII and just for about five... About, no. We're just going to go back to Final Fantasy VII because I forgot one of the biggest things of this podcast. How long is it to beat Final Fantasy VII? Okay, so Final Fantasy VII, how long is it to beat? So if you're just wanting to do the main story straight on through, want to see who dies, who lives, how it ends, you're looking at about 38 and a half hours, which is huge for a game that came out in 1997. Now, if you want to do some of the extras and the main story, you're looking at about 56 and a half hours. And finally, if you're the completionist who needs to get everything in the game, you're looking at 88 and a half hours, which is pretty crazy. Um, especially all things considered, the game came out in the 90s and it did this well. So that's great. Okay, going back to Final Fantasy X now. I'm going to give a quick tidbit about the background and storyline of Final Fantasy X. Essentially, Final Fantasy X is in a different world than Final Fantasy VII, obviously, called Spira. And uh, it pretty much influences uh, island countries, South Asia, uh, South, Pacific, South Pacific, I'm sorry. And the story revolves around adventurers and their quest to defeat a rampaging monster known as Sin. And Sin is a monster that comes out every 10 years, at kills and attacks cities. And a summoner, essentially um, a woman or a person, or a woman or a man who goes down this, this way of life, is the ones who go up against Sin and ultimately destroy them for 10 years and then it comes back. So it's a very interesting type of uh, world. It's actually kind of depressing. And you take you take the role over Titus and or Titus, however people want to say his name. I say it Titus. And Titus is someone who lived in the past, 
before Sin came around and was propelled into the future. And you meet Yuna, who is the summoner in question, and uh, the whole party. And you go off on a pilgrimage to collect all the, all the summons that a summoner must collect in order to be fully ready to confront Sin. It is a fantastic game. It, it was in development in development for two to three years. I believe it cost Square Enix uh, $33 million to develop. The storyline is amazing. The characters are great. Some of the voice acting could use some work, but it is one of my favorite games in the series. So how long to beat this game? So actually, before I continue with that, uh, this game was the first game to have that remake, and I did mention this earlier. And that remake is all about Yuna and her quest to, I assume, find Titus. I did play it. I don't remember much of it. Um, it's pretty crazy. So anyways, how long is it to beat Final Fantasy X? If you're looking at beating just the main storyline, you're looking at about 48 and a half hours. And if you're looking to get some of the extras, which uh, there are some hidden summons, there is also some ultimate weapons you can grab. Uh, if you want to do some of that, it looks like people were averaging about 79 and a half hours. And then, and then, if you're looking to get everything in this game, you're looking at about 165 hours, which is insane for a game. But hey, there are people who do it and there are people who reported it, so <laughs> good luck to them. And then the last game I want to talk about, and I'm probably not going to talk about it too much, is Final Fantasy XV. So Final Fantasy XV is the latest in the Final Fantasy series to have come out. And it is, my god, a beautiful game. Uh, it's a little different than previous games, um, obviously. And they did change some of the storyline, uh, some of the battle mechanics, obviously. But it is an amazing game. And Final Fantasy XV came out a little bit over a year ago for the PlayStation 4, PC, and Xbox One. And it is also one of those games that have been in development hell. It was in development for 10 years. Development began in 2006. There was a trailer that came out and then we never heard of it. It went through a lot of delays. It went through a lot of, uh, a lot of name changes, but the ultimate conclusion of this game or the end result is amazing. So the game takes place um, in a different world, obviously the fictional world of Eos. And there is now sort of a kingdom. Uh, there's a kingdom called the Kingdom of Lucis, and you play as this guy named um, Prince Noctis. Noctis Lucius Calum. Yes. Um, can I get um, you know 500 for crazy names, please? And essentially, Prince Noctis has his world threatened by a, a rivaling uh, empire, and he goes on a quest to essentially fix this. <laughs> I don't want to give too much. And uh, it's it's totally a bros type of game, uh, mainly mainly that it's not, it's not for men. That's not what I'm trying to say. But essentially, it's you and your three friends and or your bodyguards, essentially. And you go off on this adventure and it's just the, it's just the four of you. You don't you don't gain any more people. You don't gain any women on the team or anything like that. There are women in the game who severely help you, like Sid, but it's just you four throughout the whole game. And there's a road trip aspect to it because there is um, the free roaming part of the game. You're in a car and you can upgrade, you can upgrade the car and it's great, but you're in a car and you're driving around your empire essentially. 
and or your kingdom and you fight monsters you fight battles and it is it is pretty awesome uh the gameplay itself is much more action based there are different sort of turn-based things you can do or conditional things you can do but it is a lot of a lot of action you you jump out of your car you see some enemies you start fighting essentially you can see the enemies as they're coming you don't just get randomly attacked uh which was the thing in Final Fantasy X uh, so, however, Final Fantasy XV isn't fully finished yet. Um, the game, the uh, Square Enix has released a ton of DLC for it, which I have not played personally. Uh, they've also uh, changed some of the ending of the game, and I believe they have their last DLC coming out this year. Uh, however, if you're in for a beautiful game with a lot of death to the characters and just some really cool graphics, I totally recommend buying this game. Uh, I did finish this game. I did play it. I bought it when it first came out. I have not played a DLC only because I like playing other games. And while I did enjoy the world of Final Fantasy XV, I sort of wanted to enjoy other worlds. And I believe I, I the, the, the game I bought after Final Fantasy XV was Horizon Zero Dawn, which was equally as beautiful. So how long do you, how long is it to beat Final Fantasy XV? So Final Fantasy XV. Let's go to the ever amazing How Long to Beat website. So Final Fantasy XV is actually on the shorter end of Final Fantasy games, which is pretty crazy, all things considered. Uh, this doesn't include DLCs, um, so for all I know, it might be a lot longer. But it actually, it actually leads a question of why is it so easy to beat this game or so, so much little time to beat this game when it was in development for so long. Um, which is probably a discussion for someone higher than me, uh, mainly because I I care and I don't at the same time. I like playing a good, a good game and getting my money's worth, essentially. Uh, but the main story of Final Fantasy is going to run you about 27 hours, which is pretty decent. Um, most of the game... Actually, the game is divided into two halves, in my opinion, where there's a free roaming section, a classic Final Fantasy, and then the storyline gets very linear and you're constricted almost uh, in terms of in terms of movability, uh, which I didn't like, but perhaps this is why it's 27 hours. Now, if you want to do the extras of the game, such as finding every sword that belonged to your ancestors, which is one of the side quests, you're looking at about 53 hours. And if you want to get everything in the game, which includes the swords, includes all the tasks, all the challenges, you're looking at 91 hours, which is still pretty decent compared to Final Fantasy X. Um, why is it like this way? I have no clue, but I thought the game was great. I finished it in about 40 hours. I did do some extras. I didn't do all of them, um, and I certainly didn't do completionist, but 40 hours is pretty decent for me, and uh, if I can get that much out of a game, I'm really happy. Especially a game that makes me feel different emotions. And before I wrap up the podcast, one of my favorite things of Final Fantasy X was the night-based system. So there is a night mechanic in Final Fantasy X, and at night, all these crazy monsters come out, and they're much more stronger than the monsters during the day. So you can fight them and get your ass handed to you, or you can set up camp, literally set up camp, and there's brand names like Coleman on these tents and your chairs. And one of your characters, who I'm forgetting his name, but he's one of my favorites, will cook food. He'll straight up like make food for everyone. And this will give you a boost in the next day. Uh, maybe higher health regain, stronger attacks, essentially. I think it's hilarious. I think it's amazing that you can find different ingredients for food. Have He makes new dishes. And you're just sitting around the campfire just chilling, which is why I totally call this game a bro strip. 
And there is a other brand placement, um, Nissen, the cup of noodles. They actually have a stand in one of the cities and you can buy food from them. Or you can even make that as your dinner that night, which I think is hilarious and very cute in my opinion. So that pretty much concludes it. Um, I didn't want to give too much away on any of these games. And I did give a uh, brief history. I didn't want to give a long history of Final Fantasy, mainly because this this uh, episode was mainly dedicated for those who have either played a little Final Fantasy and just didn't like it, and maybe you played a different game, or maybe you just don't know what Final Fantasy is and you really wanted to get into it. Um, granted, if I, if my fan base had a lot of Final Fantasy fans in it, I probably would have done a full history of Final Fantasy. And that probably would have been worthwhile. Uh, but I figured this would be great. You get three games, very quick reviews. I've played each of them. And I also give you the how long to beat mechanics, uh, how long to beat metrics on them. So I will let you decide which game you want to play. Um, or if you do decide to play a Final Fantasy game at all. Uh, there are different competitors to these games, such as Dragon Quest and Persona. But they're all a little different. Uh, Dragon Quest itself, if you like Dragon Ball Z, pick up Dragon Quest. I'm actually probably going to pick up the latest Dragon Quest that just came out this past month. Um, I'll probably end up buying that sometime in December. Hopefully, we'll find out. Or I might buy it after I finish Spider-Man, which is still amazing, by the way. But moving on. The last thing I do want to talk about with this podcast episode about Final Fantasy is... Where can I buy these games? And what's the future of the series look like? So I'm going to keep this pretty quick. So where can you buy them? Almost anywhere. So Final Fantasy VII has been uh, ported over to the PC. It's been ported over to the PlayStation 3, PlayStation Vita, and PlayStation 4. And it will be included in Sony's PlayStation Classic. Final Fantasy X... I'm sorry. Final Fantasy... Yeah, Final Fantasy X has been ported over again to the PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4. And Final Fantasy XV, that one just came out. So, and I and there are some Final Fantasy games I did not mention that I have played, but these three are probably, these are the three that I picked that might interest you. As for the future of the Final Fantasy series, Final Fantasy XV was great. It sold a lot, and for them to keep making DLC, I assume it's still going strong. So, I don't think it's out of the realm of, um, of possibility that Final Fantasy 16 is already in development. However, they probably are dedicating all their time to Final Fantasy 7, the remake. So we'll find out. We'll see what it is. I am very hopeful. I have been a long fan for more than 10 years now of Final Fantasy. So I will keep playing them and I will keep reporting on what I learned. All right, guys. Well, I think that about concludes this episode. As always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can tweet at me at, at GAC underscore podcast or send an email to me at gamingaftercollege at gmail.com. I'm open to any critiques, any criticisms, uh, well, there's the same thing, and also any suggestions on future episodes. I'm trying to keep reviews to a minimum only because if I say I'm going to do a review, I kind of have to finish the game first because I do not like doing mini reviews of games I've never played. So if you have any suggestions on what sort of episodes you'd like to hear or anything you want me to look into or research into, you know, go ahead and tweet at me or send me an email. I'm always available. All right. Well, as always, this has been Gaming After College. Thanks for tuning in. And this is your host, Manny.